good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Curious Anarchy podcast, and we are here today with another episode of Brunch with Naomi Osaka. Today's guest will be different, who has written a book and has a trailer available um, talking about mm, flipping race, flipping race around. What would it look like if it looked, what would it look like if it was the other way around? Today I'm joined here by Mark. How are you, Mark? Hey, Jermaine, how's it going? Awesome. I'm awesome. Thank you very much. I am just going to hop into the emails and send over the link to our guest, and then I'll be right back. So just bear with me. Sure. Let's keep our curious anarchy listeners busy. Thank you. Yeah, well, wow. <laughs> Brace looked the other way around. Amazing. What kind of a world would we be living in? Indeed, indeed. Interesting, interesting idea. Interesting idea. Um, I, I'm one, in, my initial impact is, uh, I don't know how it could be any worse than the one we're living in now. So uh, I'm sure we'll find out some more ideas when, when the guest comes on. But uh, I don't know how much worse it could be than, than it is right now. Um, Jermaine was showing me as well that uh, we seem to have listeners all over the world now and it's uh, it's quite interesting that people are listening uh, in places we never dreamt about so um, mm, mm. we um, after a very interesting interview with Spanchita Sareed from the Van Counseling Centre who's based in India um, as well as that we've interviewed uh, Saikat Basu as well yeah yeah Mark yeah Lightwear. both of those guys uh, the lady and gent are in India and um, Sanchita Sareed that interview is up and available and, and it's been incredible to see the, the kind of uptake that it's had um Really pleased, actually. Really pleased with generally with how the pod has gone. Um, I'm really happy. It's been amazing. Oh, I mean, uh, and we've finally broken through a thousand plays as well. So there's that. Woo, 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 woo. Celebrate. <laughs> Pop, open huh? Pop open the champagne. Well, not not the champagne. Well, uh, we'll, we'll pop open the. Uh, open the champagne. Nice, nice bottle of brandy for this one for the thousand. Oh. I think, yeah. The champagne should be something like a hundred thousand. Whatever, whatever your your choice is. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> bottle of brandy. Bottle of brandy would be very nice. Napoleon's quite quite a little um, uh, shot or two of brandy just to quietly celebrate hitting a thousand. Um, mm. And I don't think when we started doing this and just started chatting, we think we thought we'd reach these kind of numbers. Oh, for sure. I, like, I don't think that we had any idea of the potential of what this podcast could really do. Um, but I was open, and you were open, and yeah, you were open yeah. to even starting this this thing up full stop. Hello. Um, and, and here we are. We're now speaking with Different, who's halfway across the world. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. Good morning. Wow, Welcome that's quite different. Podcast. How are you? Hello? How are you, different? I think they just logged off, haven't they? Oh, she's still still here, still here. I can see that she's connected. Maybe just oh. take a little 
you know how these things are connecting yeah, yeah. across the world <laughs> yeah, well exactly sorry can you hear me yeah awesome awesome how are you guys good morning thank y'all for having me well thank oh, you for man. coming oh yeah no problem i'm so sorry about the time frame you guys are in london i'm in the u.s and so it's wow. like a 14 13 hour difference with you guys and so yeah it's 7 30 over here <laughs> in the oh, wow. morning or the evening it's morning time wow good morning yeah good morning or good afternoon to you guys yeah, thanks. <laughs> and where are where are you i'm in houston houston well houston, houston. we finally have liftoff right <laughs> yeah. this, this this mark this this is somebody else now that we've interviewed in texas remember um yeah yeah the oh. young boy that was had the yeah. um yeah the creative it's project wrong. yeah Wait, i mean amazing. i have to say i've never dreamt that i'd ever speak to someone from texas and now we've spoken to two so it's quite exciting well yeehaw <laughs> yeah, exactly that exactly that by the way, um, we do not say yeehaw. <laughs> okay, good. That's really. We um, do not say that. That's. <laughs> but you must be aware that. Different. You must be. So everybody you must have a horse out here, and we do like our guns. So that is true about Texas. <laughs> but you must be aware that Texas has quite a, an image around the world that's almost separate from the United States in itself. The way that Texans are portrayed. Um, yeah, I, I'm you know, told. Every, every time I go somewhere, um, I'm told, and when I tell them I'm from Texas, it's like, oh, so you have a gun? Or I was like, well, it's either one of three things that Texans either have, either a gun, a horse, or a truck. And either well, they have all three. Oh, four <laughs> things. Four things. Oil as well. I'm sure oil always comes oh, into oil the Oil There you go. We yeah. were the oilers back in the day. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. Well, that wasn't the image we wanted to portray of, of you and your book. So, um, it's interesting that I'm, I'm guessing that your perspective of growing up and being around Texas is quite different to uh, owning a ranch and a, an oil field and um, having a gun. Well, I mean, you may have a gun, but I mean, you know, that whole... You don't know that. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that, yeah, isn't it your second right? Your um, The Second Amendment, isn't it? To, that everyone can have a gun, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right there on Second Amendment. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So we don't have that here. So people here kind of like... If I met someone here who had a gun, I'd be surprised. Whereas if I met from, from someone from America, I'd be like, okay, so that's your constitution. Like that's your, your right to do that. But I, I think it's certain states as well, because I know in oh, certain states, okay. guns are more prevalent. Um, certain yeah. states have a concealed carry, certain states you can open carry. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, like I'm, Texas and Florida, they, they're real gung-ho about guns, but up yeah. north or east coast, you know, they're a little bit more stricter. Um, I also kind of want to dispel a little rumor with you guys about London, as if you will. Um, Go ahead. As opposed Try to off. guns for Try Texas, off. you guys carry like little pocket knives or shoes, if you will. <laughs> that on oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. I'm so well, sorry we have we have a culture in in London and and in all of our metropolises where mm -hmm. young people are carrying knives and sometimes guns. Not all of them, by any means. But there's a culture of um, some kind of a gang sort of affiliation war sort of thing, depending on what part of which part of the city and everything you live in. It's it's a huge problem for a small community in terms of the various communities that are going through that. And for London, the rest of London, they don't notice it unless they have children that are involved, because it tends to be 
young t- like teenagers etc that get involved in a lot of it um yeah. sounds like america <laughs> well it's weird because it's weird because i think it came from america in a way it became they wanted to have that same gang identity thing um, we didn't really have we didn't have it in a big way for a long time and then suddenly it became quite a cultural thing and it came after people kind of got into a lot of the music and stuff from america and the you know like the the probably a continuation from that we had ga- oh, sorry not sorry. we had gangs but we didn't have the kind of the kind of like number of killings that we have now and and related specifically to postcodes where you live um, it wasn't. It wasn't on that level. We had. Um, it was more to do with youth culture generally. So, like you know, like you know, like you have the Hell's Angels, for example. It was more to do with stuff like that. It wasn't specific to. Okay, so I leave my house and I go to the next neighbourhood and I might get stabbed because I've gone to the next neighbourhood. We didn't have mm-hmm. that for a very long time, and now it's quite a, a pandemic in itself. That a lot of young people are drawn into it. And you know a tit for tat thing where if you kill my friend, I'm going to come and kill. And it becomes quite um, like immediate, I suppose I should say for them. You know they're, they're very young and they're, they're very mature, and it becomes very immediate. And um, for some people, fun kids, it means they can't attend school, they can't attend family homes and things because it's too dangerous. Yeah. And, and a lot, unfortunately, a lot of the kids that have died aren't necessarily the ones who are very largely into this. They're more the peripheral kids who aren't that wise about how it's all happening. So they might be just going shopping or something and suddenly 10, 20 guys jump them. Um, and they, they're not prepared. So that's why a lot of kids carry knives, just in case those sort of things happen. Yeah, sounds like this pandemic has drove everybody mad. <laughs> yeah, well, we had it before, unfortunately. But yeah, it's made it worse because obviously... Uh, they have more time to. What's that thing that people do on on sort of certain rooms on clubhouse? They read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a. But I would. Uh, um, what's that phrase? London's half knives and pocket knives. <laughs> well, we have guns now. Unfortunately, we didn't. But um, we have a lot of. Um, London's become much more diverse, and in its diversity. I've heard that. So people can bring guns from all sorts of places in the world where conflicts have been happening. And they have little bits of turf here in terms of, let's say someone's come from a war zone and they have a little area in the UK and they may well smuggle guns over. And those guns eventually get passed down to these gangs that we're talking about. So unfortunately, it's becoming more widespread. It is, of course, illegal, but that that, that doesn't matter if you're involved in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it does. Guys, what part, if you don't yeah. mind me asking you guys, what part of London are you guys from? We're actually from opposite sides of London, to be honest with yeah. you. Oh. I'm from South London in Croydon, sorry, which is technically Greater London, um, but it's it's still part of the the Greater mm-hmm. London borough um, or city, wider city network, if you like. And and Mark, you're from North. I'm from North London. I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the absolute opposite end of London to Jermaine, so. He's as far south as you can go, and I'm as far north as you can go. But I've worked all over London. I've worked with street gangs. I've worked with uh, kids thrown out of schools. I've worked with homelessness. I've worked with children in care. So I've I've, I've worked everywhere in London. There's nowhere I haven't worked. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. So we have I mean, a north sider and a south sider. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. I was wondering what your experiences were of growing up in Texas, because 
I can't imagine what growing up in Texas would be like in the first place. Uh, because it's hard as hell. Well, that's the thing I thought. And then I thought, well, how do you cope with that? Because we struggle. If we get to um, 30, we, we well, struggle growing here. Up, um, before I, I um, had a, excuse me, drink a little water. By the age of 11, I had experienced hard enough life and was, was dealing with, you know, grown up world issues. Um, mm. But before that, I think uh, what it was, my mom, you know, when school lets out, she, every summer, um, she shipped us, me and my brother, to uh, the Boys and Girls Club. It's kind of what we have here. Uh, for it's the a, what? Sorry? It's a Boys and Girls Club. It's kind of like a little club for uh, okay. kids of a certain age to basically like a, a daycare for uh, teenagers oh. <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> okay. Is that in Texas yeah. as well? Well, it's, it's all over you. Oh, it's all over. Okay. Texas, it's just a little organization called the Boys and Girls Club. It's okay. You okay. Go. It's like an after-school program or summer program. Uh, Would you recommend them? Say it again. Would you recommend them? Mm, oh, yeah. If you got kids and you need some somewhere to send them for the summer or to get them out your hair, definitely send them there. Really? Uh, keeps them out of trouble, um, especially in the summertime, you know, and, and growing up, as you said, I guess, in Texas, uh, it the part where I'm from, I'm from Houston in a specifically neighborhood called Fifth Ward. Uh, <clears throat> it's known as a, um, a quiet but deadly neighborhood, if you, if you get my drift. Wow, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, back in the day, uh, it, it was a um, very, very drug-active neighborhood. Uh, really? Uh, uh, Post-80s as well. Mm-hmm. I, grew, I, I was born in 90, and so right before, you know... Uh, the 90s were the 80s and of course you know in the u.s crack in the 80s was was, was, yeah, was yeah. the pandemic if you will <laughs> no no it was it was but well, I, yeah, we didn't, so, I didn't know it was in in texas and houston oh it, it was everywhere um okay that it just wasn't in miami or in new york it was it was everywhere but in texas specifically um yeah just growing up you just have to you know watch where you step and uh, so hold on can i just ask you because my image of Texas is a, a lot of land. So, yeah, so, that's what people tell me. They think of ranches and horses and cows and cattle. Yeah. That's very <laughs> true. But you have to think and remember, like, think of Texas as like a, a split side. On the west side is more of a western side, and on the east side is more urbanized. So you have oh, Dallas, okay. San Antonio, okay. Houston. Um, what else is Austin? They're more urban cities, as right. you know, so it's more. So to the um, the people in the urban cities, do they not spend any time out in the countryside? Because oh yeah, definitely. It, it just depends. Um, some people that are that live in a city are from the country, and some people that are from the country. Uh, but you know, when you were young, would it be? Usual or unusual for you to go, say, with your family or with your friends into the countryside if you're living in, say, somewhere like Houston? Yeah, but I think what you... Uh, so, it's, it's different parts of how, how we would say a, a country. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, our country in in the urban cities, like, going a few miles up the road to, say, like, Brenham or Shepherd, Texas, where it's just nothing but woods. Oh, and then you okay. have to the east side, in like, where El Paso and going towards California, New Mexico... That's more of the rural area where you would find the cattle and the farms and the ranches. Would you guys ever go there? Oh, yes. Yeah. Some ranches are very nice, definitely. But, I mean, mm-hmm. do you just go there? I mean, like, how does it work? Like, can you just drive up there? Or? <laughs> we hop in the car. We drive. Depends on what farm or ranch you want to visit. <laughs> okay. In Texas. Um, they have a couple in Houston. It just depends. But how do you know that you can... Let's say Jermaine and I were traveling through Texas. 
How would we know it's a ranch we can go on? Like, how would you well, know? Well, it depends on what city you're trying to visit in Texas. If you come to Houston okay. or Dallas okay. or any uh, any type of urban city then or, or um, metropolitan city, then, yeah, you definitely won't find no farm. You'll have to go outwards, like, say, to El Paso or something like that, or La Jolla. That's, uh, that's what I mean. If I went to La Jolla, how do I know that Jermaine and I can just go up to it? Can we just bowl up to any branch or... Do we have to well, see one that says welcome? They offer um, some type of like uh, activities where you can come ah, on okay, and like, okay. uh, I guess, see their cattle or ride horses and things like that. So it just depends. But there are a lot of ranches that are, that are open to the public. You would just have to do your research. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so you'd, yeah. you'd, it would say open to the public or something like that one? Yeah, it would say like horse ranch or a cattle ranch. And usually it's a horse ranch where you have, you know, visitors come and do horseback riding and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Now that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. So growing up there, how was that for you? Like in terms of, because we always hear of people in New York, California. What was it like growing up in the South? Um, It was hot. <laughs> Theme in the What's the nickname of Texas? It's, 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 how can like. I explain it with Texas? Because Arizona has like the arid, arid air, and Texas has like that the dry air, if you will. Okay. And so in the summertime, like it is now, it's morning time now, so it's pretty cool. But maybe like around ten or eleven. If you walk outside, you'd be sweating bullets. And so oh, usually wow, around okay. this time, people stay in the house and they don't come out until later on in the afternoon. Ah, see, so you literally would... out there in somewhere with some shade. So you'd literally look for somewhere to be not out in the sun, effectively. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely don't want to be out in the sun. Right, okay. okay. <laughs> so that makes sense. Now, now that makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, like when you went to school and everything, other schools, I mean, this is going to sound so silly, but I, I don't know anything about Texas, so I have to ask, were the schools similar to the schools would be, say, in New York or in, in Chicago? Would they be similar? Um, well, the infrastructure would probably be totally different. Um, and that's everywhere you would go, not just with, with Texas or New York. It's anywhere. It just depends on that infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And their schooling system. Um, but... I, other than that, it's a school. <laughs> I wouldn't be but I mean, school. you know, like the hassles that some kids have in LA or in New York. Would you have the same hassles in? in, in um, it, it's just like it's, it depends because it's a different state, and so they have different rules. As well as I must disclose to you, I haven't been to school in damn near fifteen years. I'm thirty years old. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, I haven't been, been for about four times longer than that. But I, I just wanted <laughs> to ask, just to get an idea. Um, just oh, get an yeah, idea of... ask me, but don't ask me for anything that I can't ask you how it is. No, 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 which is not. I, I don't mean now, but I mean when you were at school. Like, oh, so say, uh, for example, oh. in New York, I, if I was in school in New York, I might have gang problems, I might have problems with different well, races. I wouldn't tell you about New York because I didn't grow up in New York. No, 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 no I'm, I'm saying. about the Texas school system. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, yeah. I was trying to say Whoa. by comparison, you know, is it as difficult going to school in Houston as it would be say in New York in terms of gangs and violence and race and things like that um I would say as far as gangs that would go to New York and as far as race that would go to Texas just because it's oh, okay okay so if that makes more sense to you, yeah 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 that's the type of problems you would mostly have if you will depending on what side or what city you're in uh in Texas 
uh, like I said, for instance, like if you're in El Paso and you're black, you're not going to find a lot of a lot of black people out in El Paso. But if you go to Houston, where it's more diverse, you'll find everything and everybody. Mm. Mm. Um, now, I would do, say do with you New York, find... if anything, they would probably have a problem with, I know, that's just is my opinion, um, um, with their schooling, like the crowding, if you will, like overcrowding. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But with everything yeah, going on, pandemic, here in London as well. everybody switched it up. So, mm. but anyways, <laughs> it, if you don't mind, because <laughs> you guys know. Um, awesome. You asked me how I was growing up in Houston as a kid. I, I guess, um, well, just giving you a little bit of background on myself. Uh, like you guys know already, I'm from Houston. I'm yep. about 30 years old. Um, I grew up, like I said, in Fifth Ward. Uh, coming up, I had it. I was 11 and uh-huh. then my mom um, we ended up on hard times to where you know we, we pretty much moved from pillows to posts for those next wow. three years wow. yeah, I, know, I was just, just reading through your um, your manuscripts it says that you were you were homeless for some time and oh, yeah. I, yeah. I've known people to become homeless in America and <clears throat> it seems to be a very different type of experience in America as opposed to here um like what? What are the support systems in place for those mm, who are mm. in America? Well, yeah. Thank God for America. We do have a lot of resources here, and people that are willing to help those who are less fortunate. Um, I know coming up, we had resources. People, we went to shelters. We slept at friends' house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we slept in some not so good places. Um, wow. Yeah, there are resources out here uh, for people that are less fortunate, and I'm coming up. I was grateful for all those that helped us. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I was 14, I ended up in foster care, <clears throat> and so um, yeah, I noticed years, that. Yeah, I there you noticed something so. about there, there was a little trick uh, to going into foster care that allowed you to then go through and, and to go to university. Talk, talk to us about that. Okay, so yeah, like I said, when I was 14, I ended up in foster care. Um, I was placed there by uh, a relative, and no, none of my other family members knew where I was for uh, six months. Um, but by that time, within that time frame, within six months, I tried my best to come home, but um, I couldn't. I didn't know anybody's number. None of my family members know. Mind you, I'm 14 years old. I don't have a phone, and this is a different time. This is around 2005, so. All of the iPads and all of that, we didn't have that. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and so I stayed there for the first six months trying to come home. And then I, I don't know who told me, but I found out that uh, Texas, they pay for um, foster kids who age out. They pay for their full tuition waiver in college for four years. And so, okay. you know, a light bulb went out there. And so I had to use my street smarts to, you know, elevate my book smarts. And I thought, you know, four years, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be a nothing. It'll be over and done with. And I'll be able to go to college for free. And that's just what I did. And Wow. Um, yeah. So by the grace of God, I'm here now. And I made that this situation. And, you know, now I'm starting my own business. And I have my first book coming out this month. So, Oh, congratulations! Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We, we are here to talk about the book. As, yeah, as I know, happens. but even still, I'm very um, impressed. But, I'm yeah. very impressed. Um, um, I just wanted to dive into your studies because I'm actually looking to study something similar. Um, to what oh yeah, what you're looking for? Um, I'm looking to do a master's in management and marketing, mm-hmm. um, which is 
basically international business and communications. Yeah. Um, and you've got an entre- uh, sorry, a, a master's in entrepreneurship as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're also a Texas real estate agent. I like, am. Hello? I'm a woman with many hats. So if you ask my you friend, really I'm tell you, oh, yeah. she's a go-getter. Yeah, she, yeah, so I'm wow. a go-getter in my family. Mm. That's mm. quite impressive. Sorry, I mean, uh, all that crept up on the conversation suddenly. <laughs> yeah, so you like, never know. Where did you so, get that motivation from? Yeah, to, good question. Go and study. Up, like, to, like, to go like I said, when I was around 11, so from ages 11 to 13, and moving around from pillow to post, um, sleeping in shelters and bus stops, and, and even a crack house at one point, I just told myself that it was I wasn't going to live that life. It was going to be better for me when I got older, whatever mm. I had to do. And coming up, um, a lot of kids are blessed with, you know, God-given talents that, you know, leads them into the sports world. And I wasn't one of those. <laughs> oh, under, sorry to hear that. You know, and so you um, did a bit I had to use my talents other, words, other ways, and, and that, that was education. And so mm-hmm. um, yeah. I just turned into the smart girl and... and, and Put my head in those books and and focused on you know getting my my education and, and building myself up and preparing myself. What was your family situation like then? Was was everybody still together? Say it again. Your family were they still together at that point? Like, because when you're studying. Oh no, my 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 parents. I think they separated when I was around five or six, and um, okay. I had a step parent from the ages I think six to eleven, and that's when we felt when. Know. Oh, my mom broke up with her step her her boyfriend. That's when she fell on hard times. She fell into a really bad depression. And Were you so, the only child? No, I have a brother. Uh, oh, older was brother. he? Was he with you, or did you separate? Well, for yeah, for the first three years, like yeah, like I said, um, we we moved around together sporadically. Sometimes my brother would stay at his friend's house, and then sort of just drifted into the streets. He and I, you know, we complete opposites, but you know, that's my brother, and I still love yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course, <laughs> all families are like that. Come on. Oh yeah, but um, it's it's, it's just the way life goes. But um, it, it's all good. Um, you know, we made it out of that situation and, you know, we're doing better than we were now. Well, you, you're doing, I mean, you're doing amazing. You're not doing better. You're doing absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, I have to have no choice. See, my thing is with my new business, uh, Third Eye Entertainment, and we'll get into it a little later. Um, yeah. we, we have, I have this, this idea, you know, um, during the pandemic, it was a wake up call for everybody, you know, reminder, you know, that life is, you know, too short. And yeah. tomorrow is never promised. And so, you know, it's time for those who who want to have a better life and believe it that they're meant to have a better life. It's time for them, you know, to manifest it, plan for it, and prepare. And so, you mm. know, mm. it's just time to get rich during the pandemic or die trying, you know. I hear that. I always tell my friends, you know, I'm either trying to have that uh, come up like Cardi B or that come back like Robert D. You know, there is Oof. no more in between. So, or Dave Chappelle. Say it again. Or Dave Chappelle. That too. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, okay. We're going there, are we? Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, anybody that's that that's on that come up or that comeback, you know, that's those are those are my people. And so with Third Eye, we try to, you know, motivate people to push for positive change. And uh, we do that by bringing social awareness uh, to society through our products and services in which it educates, inspires, and entertains all at once and with that um we have our first project which is da 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 what if of controversial <laughs> paradigm shift um 
Yeah, so when I started this book about a year ago, um, this all happened uh, when George Floyd died. And I think everybody mm-hmm. that, that woke up the world, not just the United States, everybody around the world started protesting. Even in London, I remember seeing uh, pro- people protesting in London for George Floyd. So thank you guys yeah. for that. Um, I mean, it was huge here. It was huge. Yeah, and it, it still mm-hmm. is. And, and Sorry, yeah, it still is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, in, in fact, um, myself and Mark actually met on yeah. kind of on, on the back of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we met in a an anti-racism group last. Yeah, you know what I was just about to say. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people from my Facebook group, our, our little friends, if you will. That's they say that's how they meet some of uh, their connections, mm-hmm. or at the time that they met their connections was when George Floyd died. They met through, you know, Facebook groups such as those anti-racism groups. And so, yeah, George Floyd, he, he like his daughter Gianna said, he changed the world, man. You know, he's mm, sorry that mm. he, you know, had to give his life to do that. But, you know, it's up to us, you know, not yeah. to let it be vain. And so this is why, you know, I'm doing this with, you know, my new book. Um, when I when it first happened, of course, you know, I'm from Houston. And I actually grew up in Third Ward as well. I'm from Fifth Ward, but I grew up in Third Ward too. And um, when he died, I I wanted to participate and get involved in the protest and, of course, attend his funeral. But I got to thinking, you know, that's only temporary. That's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. I want my voice to stand, and and even when I'm dead and gone. And so um, <clears throat> I got to thinking and praying and asking God to, you know, just, you know, show me, give me a sign on what it is that I, that he wants me to do and what I can do to help, you know, put change into this world and leave my mark into the world. Uh, I've always wanted to get involved and, and, and try to promote change. But I guess in the past, if you will, I was too hesitant or scary, if you will. But, you know, with George Floyd, it's, you know, happening that that really sparked something in me and so yeah. over time it would come to me in dreams you know little visions I would hear things on the radio or tv or people talking to me and then just like I said over time it it, it manifested into a book I had a little journal one of those little composition journals those little um like black white dotted journals or whatever I had to decide one day and I just picked it up and I started doodling it actually started off as doodling and so um, and then I just started writing, what if, hmm, what if this, what if that, you know, and then it just led to one thing led to another. And then before I knew it, it was a book. And um, once the book was done and I had to like, you know, find out that's when everything really hit the fan because um, my business actually, I started it on accident. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, it was on accident. Funny story, true story. Uh, once I finished with the book, uh, I knew that, you know, of course, I would have to go through, you know, the legal uh, format of making sure everything was correct. And so I contacted a lawyer. I shout out to my lawyer, Miss Baker, Natisha Baker. Uh, and she told me, um, so, you know, you have to have a business, right? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so after all that of writing a book, now I learned that I have to go and register for an LLC and, you know, make sure that the funds that I'm receiving for my book doesn't come to me personally. My personal account has to come to my business. And so that's where um, Third Eye manifested um, because it was something that I thought of, you know, if it's something that you, you know, want and you believe in, you manifest it for it, and then you plan for what you want. And then you prepare for what you're about to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you. So with my my company, we not only offer products, we offer services such as motivational speaking. Um, I speak on topics such not only as systemic racism, but other issues in the world such as uh, women's rights, um, child advocacy, LGBTQ uh, rights. And so um, people come to my website and they read my blog and my blog, my blog, excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, they'll see that we offer different varieties of methods of ways that we help try to bring social awareness uh, to society through our products. And so, mm. <laughs> so, um, and so with What If, um, it's basically it's a book that was written to inform thought-provoking, constant, excuse me, constant thought-provoking conversations about systemic racism and injustice in America. Um, this is done through provocative and graphic illustrations, as well as it was, uh, I, I detailed it in uh, four different paradigms. I did it as historical, political, precedent, and then hypothetical. Um, mm. The historical paradigm speaks as in things in form that happened in the past, such as, you know, slavery, um, what else, uh, civil rights movement, um, other issues that that occurred as well uh true controversial events in death um the way that i formatted it um was in the form of a reverse racism um jermaine you say you you got a chance to read it right yeah i had i had a chance to have a a, a sort of browse through gotcha. i get you no worries so i uh, kind of get a bit of a feel at it, what did you think yeah it's it's it it's one of the it's an interesting piece because mm-hmm you're talking about switching around the world it's like race is a very uh hot topic mm-hmm. you know people can be quite easily offended by things and and I, I really believe that we have to come into this space of being open and honest and being able to accept the flaws or whatever it might be about others that they that that we all exist in so we Mm -hmm. we live in an environment together regardless of who has what skin color and where they are in society in terms of monetary status or just general status you know access to resources all of that kind of thing which is the thing that we're actually looking for for, to open those those uh those gates to Mm -hmm. everybody everybody who who you know is credible and can qualify um Mm -hmm. giving people the opportunity to you know, those like we have um, Stormzy over here. He's a grime artist. He has um, set up a an academy um, to uh, like a scheme to fund pupils into Oxbridge. Oxbridge is our Ox- Oxford University and Cambridge University. They're like the top two universities. I'm sure you've probably heard of them. Like you're yeah, Oxford. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. <laughs> so he's he's trying to provide access to that kind of institution. And like I say, it's an institution. It's not just a university, it's an institution. Oh, Once you yeah, go to a university time. like that, you've got that on your CV, you've got that on your on your resume, you can take that anywhere in the world and instantly Oxford, Cambridge, respect it. That's so it is, can I ask, is Oxford, is it underrated with its, I guess, uh, I don't know, I, I, how to say British American? I'm sorry, I don't know how to to word it. No, no, just say it. Just say it. Black just say it. British do not consider themselves as black. They're British, and so I wouldn't know how to. I want to offend a 
a black Britain is hard to that's bad to say because <laughs> they don't like that word. Um, but I don't know, you know, can I ask what do you guys for just British, right? It's no no black or white with you guys, it's just British. That's the difference between America and you guys. No, I think it depends who you're talking to. I mean, there, there are obviously there are communities here that 100% consider themselves to be Afro-Caribbean, uh, Black British, etc. I mean, so there are some it, that that don't mind it, that that word. Black no, British. not at all. No, okay. Um, yeah. You see, we have um, when you're talking on this level, you're talking about identity, and people always fall back on on their heritage as their identity. So even if they saying, "Look, we're all English." You still have an identity. Even even people that consider themselves to be white English have an identity, a, a history, a legacy that that doesn't just stem from being English. So it's important to for them to, to at some point discuss their sense of their identity. So everyone is conscious of it. And I was saying to I think Jermaine uh, last week that in London now we have probably I think we could represent every restaurant in the world that we have so many different communities from all over the world that people don't want to lose their sense of identity even if they consider themselves to be British or English or whatever that means. Mm-hmm. So so by all means, I mean, talk away. There's no problem. We, we... Okay. Well, with that being said, my question uh, for Jermaine was with his friend, or with you, excuse me, Mark, with yeah, your yeah. friend who helped to work, uh, get, there goes that word, black British people into um, Oxford. Is there like a are they under underrated or under like underrepresented? I'm sorry, say it again. Do you mean underrepresented? Yeah, that's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Yes, massively, and and this is part of the reason why yeah. somebody like Stormzy, you know, we really encourage and support that kind of action because, you know, you, you've got to look at ways to address the the, the balance. <clears throat> And if there are ways for us to get access to that through the ascension, if you like, of people like your Stormzy's, um, like I think Kobe Bryant and and yeah, yeah. Um, set oh, up. I hate a, Kobe. Um, who was it? Um, the main basketball player, LeBron. That's it, LeBron. He, he set up a, a university, didn't? He? Hello. Yeah, he set he set up a university, didn't he, LeBron James? Uh, or, or he's part yeah, of the governing body, or something like that. Uh, I'm gonna be real with you, Jermaine and Mark. I'm a little <laughs> when it comes to like social media. Literally, like when I wake up in the morning, I, I look at like stocks and investment and stuff. So it's not I don't check like Instagram and Facebook. I know okay. who LeBron is, but I don't follow them like that. And those are sure, sure, sure. And So if you ask me anything about that, I'm sorry, I wouldn't be. Too. I mean, no, the only thing I can say is that Jermaine um, also looks at stocks and shares, but also looks at social media. He's the most versatile person I've ever worked with, and um, so that's why we can have discussions with anyone because he he's as Versed in stocks and shares as he is with, with um, so sports and social media. So sort of, sort of. Well, you spend a, you spend time on groups discussing things like crypto coins and things, which I have no no concept of at all. I've only worked ever in uh, the social sector, so to me, I wouldn't be able to hold a conversation around that. But you, your versatility is unique. Is unique. Mm-hmm. That's good. Thanks, Mark. So, different. <laughs> um, about the book, talk to us about the book. Like, 
how did it come about? Like, what what kind of message were you looking to get across? So the message that I would like to, to or my hope is to, is just to do with like how we're doing, you know, stimulate thought-provoking conversations about, you know, systemic racism, uh, not just in America, but all over the world. Yeah, yeah. Whether this book, you know, makes you mad, makes you think, or it, it, it makes you happy to see something in this nature. Some people, some of my responses from people were, you know, we need something like this. Others were, oh, how could you write something like this? It, it promotes hate and, 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 you know, but the thing about it is it gets you talking, you know, and that's the point, you know, to talk about, you know, those issues that people, it will, in America, I know, I don't know how it is in London, but in America, when it comes to systemic racism, we have, seems to me, we have a, a group, a high amount of people that somehow, some way still believe that, you know, systemic racism isn't alive and kicking. And even with all that's going on with the unrest and injustice of, you know, killings of unarmed black people, um, it still will be people in America that, that claim that, you know, there is no racism, even when it's dead in your face. And so my idea behind doing, you know, a, a race reversal um, would be to see, you know, if you saw a black man hanging or be, excuse me, if you saw a white man being lynched by a black man, you know, how would that make you feel as a white, this is me talking to a white person or my thought as a white person were to see this. If they see a white person being lynched and they're upset about it, but, they, well, but then when they turn around and see a picture of a black person being lynched and it's nothing, it's history, it happened, get over it, move on, then that's how systemic racism is still alive. And that's often what, what's going on right now in, in the United States and in Texas. If you, if you ask me how it is growing up now or living now in Texas, um, you know, Houston is okay because it's, it's a very urban city. You know, everybody minds their business. But like I said, if you go to like out west, El Paso and the more rural areas, then that's where you would experience um, the most racist, racism in Texas, if you will, for, you know, minorities. Mm. So, so it's more of like what we call out in the sticks, sort of out in like the village areas, away from the cities. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what in more rural areas and places uh, like uh, uh, Iowa and, and like more more rural areas where you have the Trump supporters, if you will. And, and mm-hmm. just before I, let me before I go any further for saying that, making that statement, not all Trump supporters were racist, <laughs> <laughs> but every racist voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I'll just leave yeah. that and, and move on. Um, but yeah, so that book, that's that's one of the main reasons for the book is to stimulate, you know, thought-provoking conversations about systemic racism and injustice in America and to then figure out ways of how can we change it and, and work on ways to change it as a society and, have, and as whole to move forward. Um, so first, the issue is acknowledging that it's still alive and well second one is just talking about it and coming up with ways to you know change you know over time it's not going to happen you know overnight i don't it never does but i know through over time you know it can happen and so um that's that's basically you know what it was as well as well as like i said it's you know time had to come up like cardi b or come back like robert d and so it, it's just mm-hmm. my time it happened on accident but you know it's my time this book I, I believe and manifest that it's gonna, you know, 
do things and change the world and take me places you know it's going to touch a lot of lives mm. like I said whether it's good or bad you know your bell has been rung people are going to talk about it regardless um, sure and so um, and this isn't the only book that I'll have coming I'll, in the near future I plan on writing at least two more books but this is just my first book I've always wanted to write a book and usually you know people the first book they write is about themselves but in, in, in my opinion, you know, when you write a book about you, your first book about yourself, really don't nobody really care. You know, everybody has a story to tell. And so if you really want to, you know, grab somebody's attention or grab their attention, in my opinion, you know, is to write about something universal and, and something that you know, a lot of people care about, it would get their attention. And systemic racism definitely does get the attention of a lot of people. And the way that I formatted, you know, my book, it would definitely get the attention of people that are racist. And, and make them think and ring their bells. But have you have you began selling the book just yet, or, or is it? Glad that we're getting into it now that it's being August. Uh, the book is set to be released later on this month. Woo-hoo. We are okay. going to have a pre-sale. Um, we're looking to launch that sometime next week or within the next week or two. Um, yeah, I don't look for that. I'll, I'll let you guys know when that is. And so, yeah, yeah we, we are going to have a pre-sale. The book will be available. Uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, as well as my website, differenceworld.com. Uh, we're also we're going to be selling merchandise, uh, as well as the book. Uh, these merchandise includes uh, apparel such as T-shirts, backpacks, uh, hats, face masks. Uh, <laughs> so can't solicit. I can't think of it all right now. But uh, if you go to my website, it's there. Um, and so that'll be up and running uh, later, later on this month. Wow, congratulations. congratulations. Do you have a date just yet? As far as the date goes, I try to keep that up in the air. I don't have a set set date. I just know that it's going to be towards the end of August, like maybe like the third or fourth week of August. Once I get uh, closer to that date uh, for the pre-sale, I will announce that. Oh, so what, two, three weeks' time, we should be seeing uh, a link go live to that book. Then. Oh, yes, sir. You should be seeing it go live. Nice. And as you know, how social media gets when things get to trending. I'm pretty sure this book will be trending. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> <It'll pull> sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you guys have any uh, more questions for me? I know it went by yeah, so fast. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask... Um, who like have you had a team like who's in your team like um reading a big shout out to my illustrator anastasia arnold she was the the the, the hands behind uh bringing my visions to life and and, and wow. god bless her for that and god bless her hands uh i also have my publisher uh Sharona Bush with Bush Legacy Publishing. Um, she's been a great, great link for me, um, hooking me up and everything. Uh, as far as uh, my team, I have <laughs> my attorney. Uh, what are you asking, like, like a marketing team or like a publisher or agency or something like that? What do you mean? No, I, I just mean in general, uh, like a team in terms of putting your book together and getting it out. And like, I'm, I'm quite keen to kind of hear about like who you've had read the book and just to trial it, you know? Oh, well, of course I had a sampled audience that read the book before and um, about 100 or 75 people I took their sample. Um, So yeah, selected people have read the book before uh, we did receive, Mm -hmm. we have like a 71% rating, approval rating overall. That's Um, cool. 
Yeah. Well, of course, it resonated with the African American community, whether they did with the white. But of course, um, that's okay. Um, like I said, this book isn't—it's not meant for everybody. Although I would like for it to be, every I want everybody to read it. Um, I know and accept that not everybody's going to read the book or be happy about the book, and that's okay. Um, one thing I learned from my previous president, um, number 45, I don't want to acknowledge that's <laughs> mine, but the state president, number 45, that's the, the, most, about the most respectful thing I can say for him. Um, is, is, uh, he, he taught me to, you know, go where you celebrate it, not where you tolerate it. You know, at the end of go his term, this man me. still had 75 million people, you know, condoning his BS. And so, that lets me know right there whether you know it's, it's going to be a handful of people even more handful of people that's going to talk you know smack about this book but it'll be even more double times that that support this book mm. and so i'm confident in myself i'm confident in my work and i'm, I'm confident in society that they will get the message that i'm trying to bring um the, i must know that the book does come with a disclaimer um <laughs> I, I must state that this book was no way written to uh, incite or start any type of race war or, or, or hate dispute, any type of hate between any group or any uh, specific race. It's just strictly written to encourage and stimulate thought-provoking conversations about injustice and systemic racism. Um, so do not take this as, for anybody listening, do not take this as, oh, I'm spreading the message of hate. And, and trying to uh, cause an uprising. No, that's not what this is. And so if that's what you're thinking, change channel. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the book. We don't got time for that. If, if, you do, if it's okay with you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the book. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Mark. No, but I'm apologizing because I haven't read it. And so obviously I would, I would prefer to have read it first. But maybe that's what informs some of my questions. Yeah, so the ahead. first the first question would be, age-wise, do you have a target audience for the book? I do, yeah. This eight, well, of course, this is anybody eighteen and up is right. intended to read it. But for those eighteen to thirty-five, those those are my target audience. Um, yeah, okay, that's that's why I was generation. I was kind of yeah, that's yeah. what I was aiming at because there's a book. I'm aware that you know the older generation is setting their ways and they, they may or may not. <laughs> no, they'll read it. That's fine. They yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll read definitely it. read it. But, for sure. Uh, I, I was thinking of the younger not. generation, the younger yeah, than but, the ones you're talking about. Um, there's a book that schools in England use, um, which is similar to yours. It's more, um, it's more like a, a science fiction story, but it's to do with as if the race is turned round, so that if black people were ruling the society, hmm. it's called Noughts it and Cro- Noughts and Crosses. Noughts and Crosses. They have a book called Black Cotton, and that's kind well, of I'm that's my yeah, it's called Black. It's similar to mine as well. It's, I, I think what it is for mine, the difference between Black Cotton and my book, Black Cotton's talking to blow, blow. Mine's is, is it gives you raw and uncut. It, Which it, I'm sure. I'm sure. From what you said, so, I'm sure. Um, just to yeah. let you know, that it, Noughts and Crosses was by a British author called Mallory Blackman. Mallory Blackman. And well, I, what Black. I, it's been a series. It's been a, it's, I'm sure if you looked on the BBC something, something, it's been a series on TV. Um, and it's also been a book read in, in secondary schools um, to, to debate the idea, very much like you've said, about what it would be like if it was reversed, mm-hmm. if it was reversed around. Um, the question is asked often, but a lot of time it gets overlooked. And so my way 
of, of the way I presented the book, I, I, I purposely put it in the raw way that, that you can't deny that it's meant to make you uncomfortable because if mm-hmm. you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. then it'll make it'll it'll definitely generate a reaction that gets you to thinking. And a lot of times when people have an opinion that they they, they want to share, they'll put it on social mm-hmm. media. And, and then they'll have somebody respond, and then that's how the conversation starts. So that's my theory behind it. That's what you'd like to happen, is that I would it like would be to happen uh, topics of conversation with them. Yeah, yeah. Like people would question. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Um, I, I, I wanted to pick up something you said earlier. You said um, it was the other way around, how would white people feel if they saw white people being hung? Um, mm-hmm. And for me, it's like white people are not homogenous because they haven't been through a collective experience like black people have mm-hmm. so so what would happen is they might say well i don't care because you're from manchester or you're from new york or something it, it, they're much more regionalized and much more um uh, uh, uh yeah, like you know protective of their own sort of separate identity um, oh yeah so and, and and i think that in some ways it's, this is another part of the problem of how systemic racism works is that divide and rule. So someone like Trump, you ask the question, how could 75 million people vote for him? He divides and ruled so many people that people got very confused where it was up and where it was down. Sort of thing. And, and he, he did that very successfully by using the media who who seemed to get away time after time and be acting like they're blameless in this, um, to using the media to separate people. So like every time there was what you'd call a good news story. They either don't play it up or they attack it. And, mm-hmm. and so so what we consider as decent human behavior got laughed at almost by the media. Um, and that was part of the divide and rule tactics that, that systemic racism works by, because it wants white people also to be feeling uncomfortable uh, helping black people or helping white people for that matter. They want people segregated in all sorts of ways so that they can maintain the power base that they have. Um, Very interesting. You know, I think that's a lot to do with it. If you go back over the time, we have a wonderful speaker here. I don't know if you've ever heard of him called Akala. Um, he's a young black man who, who talks on a lot of TV programs about black history and things like this. He's a very, very, very well-educated guy, but a wonderful speaker. And he talked about having more in common with working class black uh, white people than he did with with, with upper class people in this society who act like they're not racist, but actually they're the they're the implementers of systemic racism. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it, it, I think it's an interesting thing to to consider when you when you turn things around that that having a different elite doesn't stop divide and rule. It just oh, has yeah, different people doing not. it. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh um, yeah. It's not going to change anything, of course not. But again, like I said. Oh no no! It wasn't. It wasn't as a criticism. Ring a bell, and so, I, I, hey, I'm I'm well aware that it's not going to change over time. I'm confident that somebody it will change somebody. If they, if it, if this book touches at least one person, be it white or black or Mexican or whatever, it changes their their perspective. So, excuse me, perspective. Excuse me, I'm talking to a It's early in the morning, you guys. Leave it. You're, you're with us now. Yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about that. Yes. You're fine. Excuse me, yeah, where was it? Um, perspective on racism and it, it opens their eyes and makes them think and makes them be a little bit more socially aware of what's going on in society today. Then I've done my job, mission accomplished, you know. No, 100%, 100%.
I, my last question for you was: I'm just, it, 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 all these questions are meant to be playful, just to try and get to understand more about your book without having not read it. But um, I wanted to ask you a question that, that um, I'm always intrigued by with America, with the United States, because mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not different; it's not the same here, but it seems much more polemic in the United States. So, if I was um, I don't know. Let's say the mayor of a town in uh, the United States. Would I get more flack? Would I get more attack uh, in the media and by people, my enemies if I say, talked about black people, or if I talked about communist people or socialism? Because it seems to me like those words are equally um, what's the word like um, taboo. If you if you talk about yeah, anything like yeah. that, like yeah. say Cuba. President Obama went to Cuba. He tried to uh, change the, the pattern that had happened with Cuba for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on the point of reversing it. And then when, obviously when, was it, what did you call him, 45 or 54? What was his name? Number 45. <laughs> I always remember the joke about the boy that's in the boat and he's drowning. And the guy says, What's numbers, what number's your boat? And he says, 54. He says, we haven't got 54. It must be 45. And it just feels <laughs> like that when you say that. Um, oh, yeah. Number just, 45, maybe, my hope that he'd be drowning as well was partly, partly informing that. Yeah, um, he, he's not my president. I never No, exactly. But, <laughs> uh, but, no, 100%. But um, I just wonder, you know, if you're in a position to evaluate, there's so many different taboos that, that they've created mm-hmm. uh, to stop people being, let's say, free with their conversation. So you can be as free as you like if you're talking from a right-wing perspective. But if you talk from a, a left perspective, you can't say Antifa, you can't say communism, you can't say anarchism. Yeah. So so how's that being dealt with as well? Because you've got systemic racism and you've got systemic hatred of anything to do with the That's left. That's very, very... I'm glad that you asked that question. Uh, the way that, in, in my opinion, what happens we in, in America, in my, again, my this is my opinion, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we live in a society that, that deflects, if you will. If something happens and you know nobody wants to take ownership, uh, the U.S. or so if you will wants to take ownership or acknowledgement, they'll deflect, if you will. So, for instance, when ah. the death of George Floyd happened um, and it became a, a big upset, one way to deflect was to talk about the pandemic. Yeah, the yeah, media, yeah. In the U.S., they made it. You know, you would hear them talking more about the pandemic than you did George in the beginning. In the beginning. No, we had that here when we, when we had a demonstration. They were talking about how can people demonstrate when we were in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly, exactly. They would say, you know, it's a pandemic going on. So what? A black man has died. That's nothing. Um, And so that's that's the way. If if to answer your question, so to speak, in my opinion, that's the way America handles. You know, those issues that are taboo, we deflect. Uh, Okay. Okay. So you just don't address them at all, basically. Yeah, and, and my book is one way to put it in your face, if you will. I love that, being, I love that. Being upfront about it. It puts it in your face. There's no way to deny it. You, no way around it, you know. I love you see that. A, you see a black man's foot or knee on a, on a white man's neck. You see, you know, white people, you know, being lynched or being having objects thrown at them or being spit on in my book. Um, I'm talking, nothing in the book that I'm writing is, is misinformation. It's all true. Yeah, yeah. Um, these are uh, uh, deaths and events that have uh, happened in the U.S. and they are controversial. Only thing is, it's just the rate the races are reversed. 
It's just asking, you know. Well, sorry, why are they why are they controversial in terms of do people not accept that they happened or something? Like I said, we we our in my opinion again got to be yeah careful yeah yeah. No worries. No no. Of course, we're talking um, to the author. We, of course, we, we want your opinion. America has always, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm talking down on my country, but I'm a realist. <laughs> I I, I got to be real and take ownership. Can't dig one grave and not the other. And so um, America, you know, it seems it's just keeping it real. We we a society that deflects. We don't take ownership uh-huh, or uh-huh. accountability. Uh, you know, wonder why all the other countries hate us. You know, you know, we can be bullies at times. Granted, we you know we we come together and help in hard times. Um, you know, we do have compassion and, and love for our, our neighbors. But you know, then there's that other part of society. You know, that deviant side that wants that doesn't want, you know, positive change and that wants to, you know, uh, keep chaos going or, you know, doesn't mind it. Um, and so for those people, you know, i.e. the racist people in the world, uh, in America, you know, this is, you know, my, my stick it to them, you know, next rally that we unfortunately would have to have for the death of an black person, you know, I want to see, you know, my illustrations, you know, being shown at these protests protests mm-hmm. on you know the bible car so you know that people can see you know how does it make you feel if you were to if this was a black or white person being done to it how about then mm-hmm. you know there's no way mm-hmm. around it and but- so um because you like like you like how you pointed up made me think you know pointed out it's, it's this is a society that that likes to deflect that likes to you know run and hide we i call it color blindedness if you will mm-hmm. um you know, you see the issue, but yet still refusing to acknowledge that it's there. You know, pretending like it's there. Um, well, another issue, reason why I wrote the book is because I'm so tired of hearing, you know, colorblind people say, "I don't see color." Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Says, well, what if the roles the roles were reversed? How about then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, so definitely. that's also another reason why this book is coming about because I'm tired of hearing that excuse. That's that's a that's a, a, a cliche that a, a a racist person loves to use, if you will. I don't see race. I don't see color. It, it uh, exactly. Exist. And so that's their favorite go-to now. But um, racism alive now. Now I'm hearing, oh well, racism isn't alive now. You guys, speaking of the blacks, you know, you you came so far. You all got business now. How can racism still be alive if you guys all prosper? Well, being treated like a human being has nothing to do with working hard and still enjoying the fruits of your labor. You can exactly. anybody can work hard and enjoy the fruits of their labor. I can be um two black two lawyers, one white, one black. They can they go to the same school, you know, have the same job, but when they walk into a coffee shop and they order a coffee from Starbucks and one gets treated, you know, better than the other. It has nothing to do, you know, with. <clears throat> sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. One second. Bless you. Bless you. That's so good. Right, <laughs> has nothing to do with their status. It's race. Yeah, and yeah. So that that's the thing about it. it. Doesn't matter, you know, that person's status in in, in class, if you will, in mm-hmm. America. It, it's all about race, and they'll say it, it has nothing to do with it, but then. What would be your, your excuse for not? And normally, usually, they don't have a reason to. It's just because that's how it is. Mm. So when you ask, you know, what's it like growing up in America or in Texas, if you will, um, sometimes it can be one-sided. Uh, 
people who know, like, there's people that grew up in the urban side, you know, we just stay in our, our lane. And in Texas, it, it, it is, you know, a shoot 'em up state, you know, everybody got guns. And so that's why, you know, we watch where we step, if you will. But hold on, people say it. that. People say that. Mean? People say it's a shoot 'em up state. But does it that is. literally mean. No, but does that. So I'm trying to get my head around it because we don't have that, that sort of way of living. So. Does that so, literally yeah, mean? That's, that's just a saying, if you will. Uh, shoot them up. That means like basically everybody has a gun. If you everybody, you know, out of uh, every four or three cars that you see passing, two of them have a gun in it. You know, it's, if it's I crazy. if I have a crack, if I walk across the road and I cause the the driver to break suddenly, is he is he potentially going to pull a gun out? Oh no 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 no! Not like that. It doesn't always happen. So it doesn't mean like that. Let me just dispel that. It doesn't. So you can walk down the street, and a lot of people think you walk down the street, somebody bump into them, they pull out a gun and shoot you. But you said it's a shoot 'em up state. So So what I mean by shoot 'em up state is everybody has a gun, so they 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 have the right. You know, they they pack and they they're going to protect themselves or their their property. That's usually you know the reason why somebody has a gun if if, they have a CHL. If you will, um, it doesn't mean that if they ch- the if they are overcharged, everybody minds their business in 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 Houston, Dallas, and, and San Antonio. I can tell you, you just mind. yeah, everybody minds their business because we know you know they they nine times out of ten somebody's packing, and so nobody wants trouble. Um, so if, if I over if I'm working in a shop and I charge the guy twenty dollars, it's only meant to be ten dollars, and we have an argument. He's not going to go to his car and get his gun, is he? Well, in, that could happen anywhere, not just in Texas. You know, people okay. kill people every day over guns. No, no, I, I hear that. I mean, not just the in you, this, this, yeah. <laughs> Let's just it's make the way you said it. It's the way you said it. Sorry, this don't, don't tell my words too too serious. Okay, uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Mark has been watching too many Mark. I'm happy watching a lot of films. I'm trying to understand it. No, no, I want you to come and visit you in Texas, but I'm a little bit worried now. No, no, I don't argue with anyone. Have fun. Come on, y'all. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. No, it's not like that. I mean, it's 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 danger everywhere. You know, not just with Texas, even in. And then man in, in London and Manchester, you gotta say y'all are what shaking people yeah, with yeah. knives and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Up there too. Are you scared? Are you scared, Mark? No, no. Have, all right, <laughs> don't be scared. Either. It's not like it's oh, just the idea that people driving around in trucks. No, it's you know it's, it depends on the situation, the person, you know, place, yeah, yeah, you know, the surroundings, yeah. what's going on. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, but I I I, I wonder as well because you you know you said before I quite like what you said before about people on the whole will kind of try and look after their neighbours and that mm-hmm. and be kind to their neighbours. But you have an ever-increasing number of people from south of the border coming into America. Mm-hmm. And their their view of how America looked after its neighbours isn't great. So I wonder how that dynamic is going to play out as well because you get an increasing numbers of people who, for, for different reasons, have left their home country, mm-hmm. which they consider has been under undermined by uh, U.S. Uh, oh, politics. Oh, yeah, don't, don't get it. Don't misconstrue, you know. You say be real, so I'm trying to be real. Right? Yeah, be yeah, be real too, but don't misconstrue. You know, the U.S. is, is, is a, like it has always been, the land of opportunity. It's a great place to live. But, uh-huh. you know, just as the world turns, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, we have our flaws as well, but we have our, our, our good, good perks too. Um, you know, right. people that come to this country that are from different countries, um, 
I don't know, you know, everything about how it goes when, you know, legally with the immigrations, but I do know if once you become, you know, legalized, then you are granted that opportunity to, you know, come up and and work hard and, you know, get your piece of the pie. I've seen that happen. Um, Living. Oh, so you've seen people go through that process? Yeah, yeah. I have friends that that come from, that came from different countries and and came in and and got their green cards. Yeah. Um, and, And I have friends from, you know, Mexico. And you know we cool. There's nothing. <laughs> like I said, and and, and as, if you're not like no government official or nothing like that, we don't care. We mind our business. You know, right, right, right. in trouble. We don't care. You know, this is like I said, the land of opportunity. Everybody, you know, is something out there for everybody. Um, I will say number forty-five has has put a, a dark cloud over yeah, the U.S. Definitely. Definitely. making it seem as though we're not um and 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 it's unfortunate that it's on biting now to fix that issue and, and to restore our name and but our, our number 45 has done the same thing and he's not 45 as in 45th uh, income <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's for how many kids he, he potentially has got because we don't know how many children he sired um oh. there's a running story with the press about how many actually children he actually has so i'm going to call him 45 for now <laughs> but he equally equally has put a bad uh, cloud over the, our reputation uh, not that it was great before but it made it even worse by the way he's carried on he sees himself as a miniature version of the person you've just been speaking about um but you know i think i don't know how jermaine feels about this but i feel that texas is missing a trick they should li- seriously think about making you the ambassador or the tourist <laughs> information to face of texas because uh, you've made me want to go to Texas, and I've never had that desire before. And you've made me actually yeah, want to visit. Yeah, so, I'm going to tell you the best time to come to Texas. Don't come during the uh, summer. Absolutely not. It's too hot. That's not selling the summer very well, but okay, that's fine. Um, depending on how it is next year for the pandemic, if you do get a chance to come, you should. You would definitely want to come in springtime. March is definitely uh, it's okay. rodeo season. We have one in a rodeo uh, called uh, the Houston Livestock Rodeo Show. So is that um, real? Is that real? So, you, so are you serious? That's the biggest event in Texas. So Jermaine said, I watch movies and I see it in the movies, and then Jermaine saying, I've not watched too many films, but clearly that's oh, real. No. This is the part where you come and learn. Now, 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 next year you're gonna have to come to Texas. Right. Okay. Come to Houston. <laughs> During the March, during the rodeo season, I think it's during spring break. If you get the chance, you know, bring the family as well. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a fun. Oh my gosh, you do you you see so many things, livestock uh, shows. You have entertainment. I think uh, before the pandemic, what was the one I went to? Cardi B was there. And Sorry, so, yeah, Cardi B was at a rodeo. Yeah, she came to the rodeo Houston, just like a unicorn. <laughs> I love this. I'm loving this. Yeah, I, I learned something. Jermaine, about we've got to go. We've got to go and film some of this, Jermaine. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So when y'all come, y'all y'all get to experience some of the Texas barbecue. Uh, we have every. We love fried food down here. Just to let you know, wow. we fry everything, yeah. even butter. We've got to go butter. film this, Jermaine. I don't care. We've <laughs> yeah, got to go so film if you this. do come, come during the uh, come during the springtime. Come in March. But we're gonna need so you then. around so that. Yeah, nobody, just, nobody starts you know, acting shooting. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll be a little too. But guy. different, so no, no one acts or shoot it up around us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hit me up. Just cool. yeah, shoot me a DM, and then uh, yeah, of course, you guys would have a great time, and don't be scared. Oh, I'm so got to do this now. Oh, no, you, you, no, no. Made, you should be the ambassador for Texas. You made me want to go yeah. there. And I'm, 
I never want nah, you to go there. Uh-uh, that's just too much work. I'm just here to, you know, scrape <laughs> No, once you, you become know. famous from your book, you should be the face of Texas. I'm telling you now. I think about it. <laughs> telling you now. Um, it's a huge, huge, you... huge responsibility there that you're, yeah. you're placing on different uh, shoulders, Mark. I, I think she can. I think she's got shoulders that can carry that. Uh, different. Have you ever have you ever heard or read a book from America called A Piece of Cake? A piece of cake. I read a lot of books, and so. But it's very similar story to what you went through when you were growing no, up. No, no, no. I haven't read this one. But who is it uh, by? It's a woman called Cupcake Brown. I've heard of Cupcake Brown. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know she wrote this book. Okay. Yeah, she wrote this book, and, and it's um, is this like a good book. It's an autobiography. It's about 500 pages. It's wonderful. But it's okay. but when you were talking about your youth, it reminded me of that book because that's how she went. I mean, she was in different places to you, but she was in foster care and, and everything as mm-hmm. well. Um, so it really reminded me the same sort of... I mean, unfortunately, she ate, she experienced crack and everything. But yeah. aside from that, it was similar. Your stories were very similar. And you're both successful now. Oh yeah, having yeah, been yeah. through that, having been through that story, so I thought you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you think of it, having lived it, and a piece and, of cake. Okay, yeah. I'll look it up by Cupcake Brown. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when when we come to when we come to film down there, you can give me like your opinion of the book. Of course, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so different. I just What's wanted up? to give you an opportunity to share your your social medias your links mm-hmm. and everything oh okay um, yeah thank you. thank you okay so you know anybody out there listening i'm on all the social media apps uh instagram facebook i'm new to tiktok i've never done tiktok before but since i've started all this <laughs> i got a tiktok post me that one when you do that that'd be great oh my god like y'all to see me I, i'm so embarrassed like, I don't want to sound like a little crude or whatever, but like I said, I, I, when I, I'm, I like to read, I like to, you know, look at my favorite TV show, if you will, the Shark Tank. So that'll wow, tell you. Wow. Like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, that will. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't watch, I, I've glanced at Love and Hip Hop one or two times, but I'm, I don't get into stuff like that. But um, hmm. yeah, my as far as like my social media handle, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Difference Third Eye, spelled D I F E R N T S, the number three, R D E Y E. You can find us on Facebook at Third Eye Entertainment. Um, we're on Instagram, uh, Third Eye underscore Entertainment LL underscore LLC. Uh, what else? I'm on Clubhouse app as well. Yeah, mm. Clubhouse audio app at Different. Uh, have my YouTube channel at you at Difference World. Wow! Uh, definitely like and subscribe. Uh, what else? Where else am I at? Uh, I said Instagram, Facebook, my Twitter. I got TikTok at Different. So follow me there. What else? Uh, yeah, that's about it. Put this on. Sorry, oh. guys. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you guys hear this and you know, check me out. Definitely like, subscribe, yeah. follow. All that knee above. <laughs> oh, wow, nice. Mm-hmm. Now that I have a rob, I'm not going anywhere. You know. Excellent. Wow. Thank you so much, Nathan. It's been really refreshing. Thank you for having me, I truly appreciate it. This was my first uh, podcast interview, and thank you guys for having me. You were awesome. Uh, Seriously, you were awesome. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, just out there to everybody listening, thank you guys. Uh, make sure you guys buy the book when it comes out. Yeah. My website, differenceworld.net, excuse me. 
as well as Amazon.com and Barnes and Nobles. Um, yeah, and if you guys have any uh, in, any questions, uh, you can shoot me an email. Um, I'll give it to you, Jermaine. You know what? If you if you want to post it or whatever, I'll pop it all in the description. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll send you my information, and you can. You can and you'll let us know when the when the um, release is going to come out and everything. So it'll be out late August, uh, either the last or the third or the last week of August. Okay, great. So sometimes next week I'll be able to give a more uh, set date. And that's just because I had to wait for my publisher to give me the date. But uh, yeah, later on this this month, definitely. And so um, once that does, I'll I'll post that all on my social media and as well as my website. And so anybody out there following and listening, they can um, keep up with me on that. I would like to uh, open an invitation for you to come back to talk about. Um, <laughs> definitely, and, um, definitely. I enjoyed it. I had fun. It went by so fast for me. It's yeah, already, it's like 5th hour 15 wow you're just a great um, uh, public speaker you're awesome yeah oh, thank you yeah I used to do a lot of public speaking um, in college I went to Sam Houston State University okay and I, I actually started an organization called Paid Forward and uh, it was tailored it had three sections education mentorship and speaking and so a group of uh, college students and myself we would go to different high schools and speaking to students about furthering their education you know, going to college or whatever they wanted to do. Um, it, so, is that like Pay It Forward from like the movie? It, it is, yes. Movie. It was yeah. from that movie, Pay It Forward. And so we had it's called Pay It Forward, an SSU organization. So if okay. you go to Sam Houston, you will see that there, and then you'll see me. Awesome! Wow. Yeah. You need to write a book about yourself next, seriously. Oh yeah, I have. Right. I have plans. I have plans. My second book will be of a memoir, and then the third book is going to be a self-help book for the Brilliant. black man. Oh, this is awesome, lady! Awesome. You heard it here first. Another reason what led me to writing this book with mental health. Um, For the past, you know, couple of years now, I've been in um, therapy, and you know, working with my therapist. You know, he he encouraged me to channel all my negative experiences and negative energy into a positive one, and that's where you know, also the book came from. You know, and then when the death of George Floyd happened. All of it just came mm-hmm. together. So mm-hmm. um, that's also another part of my business is, you know, pushing, advocating for, you know, the black community to, you know, <clears throat> be okay with seeking, you know, mental help for their mental, you know, wellness. You know, a lot of the times, you know, in the community, um, it's that hidden shame that, you know, we're not supposed to talk about that or black people, you know, don't go to therapy. And mm-hmm. for me, I, I dispelled that notion. And when I did, this is what, you know, it ended up into me writing a book. And so I just want to say for anybody out there that's having, you know, any type of, you know, mental anguish or going through any type of, you know, mental health and breakdown, you know, to seek help. Uh, it's okay, you know, to not be okay. Um, you are not alone and it does get better. That's, that's also a message I want to push before this. So I, wor- I worked obviously with people who have mental health problems. So I'm, I'm used to doing that on a daily basis, even when professionals wouldn't come. So I, I totally back up what you're saying 100%. 100%. Yeah, so if you want to have me back on your show, we can definitely talk about that. Yeah. That yeah, issue, that's the whole scenario. And it's, it's got a whole segment in itself. I can go on and on about that. Jermaine, you have to invite this amazing woman back. 
yeah <laughs> no. in, in fact what i was was kind of really leaning into was um on one of our other series stargazers where we uh, speak with creatives i really yeah. wanted to kind of tap into um how you you know how you how you put together the book and okay. negotiate yeah, with your publisher yeah. and all of that kind of stuff and even all of the difficulties with you know your publishers dragging their feet i don't know if they are i'm just you know it's a process i won't let me let yeah. it's, it's a process not her dragging her feet it's just a process <laughs> <laughs> as, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer. Everything is backed up because of like the printing, like even with passports and stuff, like everybody is, is backed up. And so it, mm. it's a process with everything now. Yeah, the, the pandemic has changed up the game for everybody. Yeah, for real. So, sure, um, sure. but yeah, I would definitely love to be on your show. Just just shoot me the info and whenever you want to have me, definitely we can make that happen. Not a problem. Mm -hmm. Will do, will do. I, I think I'm beginning to understand why you call it third eye. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank I like, you. like that. Thank you so much, dear friend. It's been an absolute pleasure to have Thank you, you here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jermaine. Oh, Thank you, guys. Um, Thank you guys I, out there listening. <laughs> I mean, I want to say thank you because I know you're from Texas, but somehow you've brought sunshine to yeehaw. the UK. Let me get and, a yeehaw, Mark. Say it for me. Um, yeehaw. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. But I think you brought some sunshine to us. So we notoriously, in the middle of our summer, uh, are having another cloudy day, and you oh, brought yeah. such a ray, such a ray of sunshine. Got to thank you for that, Texas Why, hospitality. Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. You're so welcome, Mr. Mark. Thank you as well, Mr. Jermaine. Thank hey, you so much. Different. We we've met the first lady of America, even if the president doesn't know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but not the number 45. <laughs> Definitely not that one. Definitely that one sunk already. No one helped yeah. that boat. It sunk. That ship has sailed and don't ever come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank y'all so much. I truly appreciate appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you, different. Much appreciated. It's a real pleasure, man. It's been All wonderful. Right, much love. And anybody out there just listening to me, I just again remember, you know, manifest, plan, and prepare for the things you want in life because it's coming. A fantastic message mm, to wrap up mm. there. This is all we have time for today on BWNO Brunch with Naomi Osaka with our wonderful guest, different, the author, boop, 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 and boop, boop, boop. plus other learn. things. Um, yeah. Thank you all. <laughs> No, you good gotta morning. draw it out, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> okay. Good evening and good night. Thank you all. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye.